0: Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org.
1: If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 3. The book of Luke, chapter 3. Last Sunday of 2020, many of you are looking forward to January 1. I'm not sure that January 1 is going to be anything particularly magical, but hey, we can hope, right? Am I right? Uh, by the way, if you're a user of the Bible app, please feel free to open that up and find our live event and track along right now. Um, there was some good things that came out of 2020. There were some really um, funny things that happened along the way. Obviously, a lot of tragedy. Uh, there were some moments I think that uh, that um, you know made us laugh, though, giggle at least a little bit. Uh, one of the things was this video you'll see in just a second. But um, if you if you here in December could go back to January 2020 self and tell you something? Have you thought about what that might be? So, um, this is a lady named Julie Nolke, she's out of Toronto, uh, so she's Canadian, so she's gotta be funny, right? Uh, anyway, uh, she made a series of videos, this is just part of the first one, and uh, used this to set it up, here we go. Oh,
0: whoa, who are you? I'm Julie from Four Months in the Future. Actually, are you here to tell me what's gonna happen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because of the, the butterfly effect, I can only really give you um, some loose details, but we'll, we'll go through the basics. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, do you want the good news or the b- bad news? Oh, um, good good news? Yeah, oh, yeah, great choice. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, things have never been better for climate change. No, that's great. Dolphins in the Venice Canals. Really? I know. I know. Well, it's, I I, I mean, I saw it on Facebook. I don't know if it's a real thing. My aunt posted it, but it seems pretty wonderful. Okay, well, that's, I mean, that's incredible, you know, especially given the Australian wildfires. The what? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, those are pretty, like, I think those are going to be the defining feature of 2020. Yeah, you'd think. Oh, no? Not even a little bit. Really? Wait, because they're... They're a pretty big deal. Yeah, your definition of a pretty big deal is going to change, for sure. Wow. Okay, so what is the bad news then? You are going to want to pull all your investments. What? Yeah, just, yeah, get, get everything out of the stock market. Ugh. Get oh. It all out. oh, it's worse. You know what? Put a little money in Zoom. Isn't that a conferencing app? guys? trust me. Okay, while we're being proactive here, actually, if you could just do a Costco run real quick. It's gonna save you C- a lot of hassle. Huh? Could be hobbies, you know, just something to something to keep you busy. Um, I, no, not really. You should get a dog. I want a dog. You know, I want a dog. I just they're, they're they're a lot of work, and you've got to walk. You got to go outside with them twice a day. Right. The walks are gonna be clutch. Right, but I mean, I have to leave them because I have so much travel coming up. <laughs>
1: something. So uh, if, if you could come back to December 27th, 2020, in December of 2021, what, what would you tell yourself? Um, we're, this story from Luke chapter 3 uh, is about John the Baptist. It's someone that I have always admired, even though <clears throat> he and I really are nothing alike, but it, it's something I've always admired. And I was thinking about what, what could we say? What could we remind ourselves of that would shape the way that we think about, that, that would uh, maybe even grant us some much needed perspective as we drop into 2021? And so I want to get us going here. Four statements uh, to shape perspective. We'll just start in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read down for a while. You ready? In the 15th year, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of I- Iturea and Trachonitis and Lysanias, um, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Hey, before we just run away through all those names, th- those are actually, I think, reasonably important because um, God's about to start something here. Uh, and and Luke chapter 2 has Caesar Augustus as the Caesar, and now we're several years later. A few administrations have changed, if you will, and God is at work, yes? Some things have changed. Some things have not. God is still at work, yes? I just didn't want to skip past that. Verse 3, and he, went. John, <clears throat> went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make His paths straight, every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And here's statement number one, as we um, walk through this, um, I, I, I think if we could frame out 2021 with a perspective shaping statement, one of those should be, would be: prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. And here, there's two bullets underneath you see on the screen there. But John, what what does he do first? First of all, he steps up. uh, Verse 3, he went. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming this baptism of repentance um, into this forgiveness of sin. So John steps up. Sometimes uh, the world is very stable. Glory to God for that. Sometimes the world is very chaotic. Sometimes the world is chaotic, but his masquerading is stable. And in the middle of it, in the middle of it all, if if we don't uh, take this cue from John, if we don't step up into the opportunities that God has for us, um, why not? What are we waiting for? A a perfect moment? In, In this world, a perfect moment? No. If we don't step up, why? Could, could it be because we're not sure that God is at work, or we can't see God at work? God is at work. One of the questions that I've been thinking about, as I was thinking about this sermon, do, do we really believe that God is at work in this world? Do you really believe that? I'm talking about this world, the world that we're actually. Living in. Not the world that we had or the world that we hope will be, but the world that we are actually living in. Do we believe that God is at work in this world, in your world? Is your world only obstacles? Or are there also opportunities? Which do you, which do you see? I did have this thought this week. Somebody said something that spurred and spurred and spurred. Um, Did you, I mean, have you thought about this? I, I, I had not put it into these words until just this week. Jesus lived through 2022, 2020 also. He lived through 2020 right along with us. And in fact, he's lived through every bad year before this. He was alive when the 1918 pandemic flu happened. He was alive during the Black Plague. He was alive during every other craziness that has happened in the world because Jesus is alive and he reigns. So, 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 if he reigns, if he's alive, if he's tracking right along, right where he should be at the right hand of God the Father, seated and enthroned forever and ever and ever, exalted above every name, I think maybe, just maybe, that invites us to step up. That invites us to say, Jesus, you're still in charge. We can see these things as opportunities and not just obstacles. So the question then becomes, if John steps up and he put his yes on the table, is ours? Is our yes on the table? What does that mean? Well, I don't know what it means for you. I don't know what it means. Maybe it means you step up in some way in your family. Maybe it means that there are um, things that are going to happen at work that you are going to step up and you're going to act with integrity even though it may cost you. Maybe there are neighbors. Maybe there are other relationships. Maybe there are opportunities that will come. Will you step up? Is your yes on the table? And what would that look like? Secondly, I I want to point out that John is an instrument here. He's an instrument. As it is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, it says in verse 4, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. It's God's voice, but it's through John. it's, It's God's voice, but it is through John. And here is an opportunity for us to say, God... You have a voice that wants to speak into the world. Can I be your instrument? Can you blow through me and produce the sounds, the noises, the notes, the tune, the melody that you want in this world? It's God's voice through Johnny. I'd simply note here, uh, you know, I was, I thought about this actually early, early this morning. when we went through all the crazy stuff we did in 2017 with Hurricane Harvey, one of the things I think that God said to us and taught us along this way was that um, God doesn't ask for our adequacy. Are you grateful for that? What he does ask for is our availability, and it's, our, it's those who are available, those are the ones that God uses. So is your yes on the table? Are you willing to be an instrument? Will you prepare the way for the Lord? In the same way, we are at times the, the very instrument that God uses to make the way, to make this way for Jesus to arrive and intervene in somebody else's life. You could become the very one that God uses to step into somebody else's life. Had uh, lunch I don't know, it's been a couple of weeks now, Uh, down at Joe's Barbecue in Alvin, met one of our guys down there who works that way. Uh, We met, sat down, talked for lunch. We were talking about all sorts of stuff. One of the things that he said along the way was, hey, can I tell you a story? I said, sure, absolutely. He said, it's about who's your one. I said, okay, great, tell me. He goes, listen, I've been praying for my one. I've been praying faithfully for my one. And I talked to him just the other day, and here's what he said. Hey, I want you to know, I'm getting back in church. I said, man, that is, that's incredible. Like he goes, so is it okay since he's back in church if I pick a different one? I was like, no, sorry, you've got one and you yes, of course, of course. And so here's what I'm, like these things that we invest in now, these ways that we step up and say yes now, the ways that we engage now, They really do make a difference. So may 2021 be the kind of year where we prepare the way for the Lord to do something in somebody else's life. He step up and he was willing to be an instrument. His availability was there. Okay, number two. Here we go, verse seven. And he said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Isn't that awesome? What a great message. We were thinking about putting it on the marquee outside. What do you think? Yes? A sign like when you drive in the parking lot? You brood of vipers? Who warned you? Verse 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham even now. The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, Statement number two, saying the hard thing is not always unloving. Saying the hard thing is not always um, unloving. John's word here, they are inflammatory. I mean, you, you get it. You brood of vipers. That's what he says. The axe is laid not to the limb not to the trunk. Where is it laid? To the root of the tree. How deeply is this thing going? I mean, to the very core of it. John's words are inflammatory. They are on purpose. And the language matches the danger here. The language matches the danger. Christmas Eve, we were outside. One of the families was walking up. and I was saying, hey, greeting and all that kind of stuff. And this person, who shall remain nameless, said to me, hey, I need you to know, Dream Trent was in trouble. Dream Trent. She she said, I had a dream about you. And the husband goes, listen, this never ends well. I just need you to know. Okay. Any of you other wives have dreams about your husband where they end up in trouble and you wake up mad and the husband is like, what just happened to you? So the husband said, yeah, this happens to me a lot. But she said, Dream Trent is in trouble. I said, oh, okay. What did Dream Trent do that I need to apologize for? Like, what is it and what is it about your subconscious that has an issue with me right now? We'll maybe talk about that later. But, um, well, Dream Trent said, Trouble. Okay, so what did Dream Trent do? Oh, well, you know, we had the Christmas Eve service planned kind of out here on the north side of the property um, away from the busy street, and you moved it down right onto 528. And my four little kids, you wanted to have the Christmas Eve worship service right out there, right by 528. I said, "Well, that sounds like something that I would do." But thankfully, we have smart people around here who help us make better decisions than that. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I was really mad at you. I'm like, you don't, know, you can't do this. I mean, people would be in danger. This would be a big thing. And then this is this is the quote. Um, I was calling everyone I could to try to get you to stop this crazy. Well, okay. Did you get anybody? You know, I just. I'm like, Dream Trent was in trouble. It was that quote, though. I was calling everyone I could to get you to stop this crazy. John's words matched the danger. Not unlike if we were hosting a party right outside, right by the street. The, the mama bear in her came rising up and was like, I'm getting on the phone with anybody who'll listen. Language matches the danger. And, and the second part of that is, he, he, look at the level to which he goes. He just refuses to deal um, with this superficial, uh, you know, this is not mere behavioral change. Um, he refuses to address what is superficial. Look at what he says, in, starting out in verse 7. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, there is a wrath, and it is coming. Most of the time when we hear wrath, this is what we think about. We think about Zeus, God as Zeus with a thunderbolt ready to just get us, right? Uh, On occasion, we do have that in the Bible. Most of the time, though, the wrath of God is, oh, this is what you want? I'll let you have that. And that's why Jesus consistently goes to work on us in the level of the heart because it's our wants that are out of whack and cause all sorts of crazy and chaos in, the, in this world. Uh, so he says, first of all, there is a wrath that is coming and there is a judgment that is sure. And I'm not so, I'm not so naive to think that we probably don't need that as we think about 2021. Just to remind ourselves. It's good to deal with the level of our wants, lest we get what we want and deserve. Second thing he says, verse 8, bear fruits of keeping with repentance. Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. What he says there is is the kind of nationality and the kind of ethnicity, that's not enough to stand on, folks. That That is not a firm enough foundation to step into a new year or into life with. Don't count on where you live or your Cultural slash ethnic background. I think that's an important word for us in 2021. May we, the people of Jesus, be kingdom first people. Kingdom first. Ethnicity and nationality are not a solid place to say that. And lastly... Look at verse nine. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, the, the reason why I think John continues to hammer on this is because not doing bad is not the standard. Did you see that? Every tree that does not bear good fruit. So it's not just, oh, uh, the trees that bear bad fruit, they go. It's also the trees that don't bear good fruit. Did you see that? Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit, cut down, thrown into the fire. And so this is not a time to mess around. This is not a time to uh, kind of play it light here. This is a time to kind of to, to go all in, not kind of go all in, to, to go all in and say, man, I, I don't want to deal with things on the superficial level. I want you, God, to go to work in me. And then to encourage others around us in that exact same way, not doing bad, is not the standard bearing good fruit that's the standard and listen to me church family over and over and over and over and over again that is the way that you know that jesus is at work in your life when you see love joy patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness gentleness uh, faithful self-control when you see the fruit of the spirit come pouring out of your life That's how you know that Jesus is at work. Verse 10. And the crowds ask him, what shall we, what then shall we do? What then shall we do? And I just want to step into this third framing statement and say that transformation matters in our real lives. In real life. In the lives that we're actually living. Not in the lives that we uh, put up online, not in the lives that we wish we were living, not in the lives that we think that we're living, but in the lives we're actually living. Transformation matters in your real life. Um, John's message, it, it demanded a response, that is an action. Did you see there verse 10? The crowds asked him, what then shall we do? So many people settle for information Information doesn't change folks. Revelation, that's what changes people. And that's what we need from God. That's why we preach from the Bible week in and week out. That's why we encourage you to get in the groups that you are uh, so that you can study the Bible week in, week out. Too often we settle for a greater, greater amount of information. But instead, these folks are like, man, we've got to do something with this. What then shall we do? Okay. And look what he says. And just look, look what happens. As John moves forward here, verse 11. And he answered them, and th- this is not a new law, okay? He's not saying everybody has to do this. Um, and these are not esoteric questions, so, verse 11. Um, he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. So he, what he's doing is trying to um, help people. He's trying to help people see... Let's take love of neighbor and let's just apply it across our lives. Whatever that looks like, however that shakes out in your life, what does it look like to love your neighbor? And then apply it that way. So generally speaking, in verse 11 here, uh, he says, uh, and he answered him, whoever has two tunings is to share with him who has none, whoever has food is to do likewise. What if our lives were so marked by generosity? His message demanded this response. And then, as he applied what was most important here love your neighbor well, generosity was the normal outcome of that. But it, he keeps going. Verse 12. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tax collectors also came to him. Now, tax collectors, just so we're all on the same page here good guys or bad guys in the Bible? Oh, they're bad guys. They're bad guys, okay? Tax collectors. Um, came also to him to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to him, Collect no more than you are authorized to do so. So um, these tax collectors who would uh, um, overcharge and and, uh, make money off of other people's misery, John said, listen, let's start applying to you in your life, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's start applying that there. You love money so much? Love of a neighbor looks like not loving money so much. And then, if the tax collectors love money, soldiers, they love power. Verse 14, soldiers also ask him, and we, what should we do? And he said to them, don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. And be content with your wages. These practical things. He refuses to deal with the superficial level and he is is helping us see what love of neighbor looks like. So here's a question. Are, Are there things that you need to start in your life? I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about the revelation of God to you when he says, love God more than anything else in this entire world with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Are there things that you need to start? Are there things that you need to stop? What would those be? And the good news is, folks, that as you work that out, God is not afraid of the nitty-gritty of your life. When we sang a while ago, His mercy is stronger than darkness, we're not just talking about the darkness that's out there. We're also talking about the darkness that's right here. God is not afraid of the nitty-gritty of your life. All that stuff that you don't want necessarily anybody else to see. It is actually precisely where he wants to work. Next week, we're going to pick back up the Sermon on the Mount. Guess what topic we're kicking off 2021 with? Yeah, you excited? Anger. Isn't that awesome? So good. He wants to work on that level right there. After that, the teaching of Jesus leads to um, mismanaged desire, which some people call lust. And then on and marriage after that, how we manipulate people with our words and on and on and on the nitty-gritty of our lives that is precisely the area in which jesus wants to work and he is not listen he is not afraid of it you think to yourself oh well see i've blown it too many times for jesus to actually be at work no when people realize just how broken they are that is exactly the moment when jesus begins to go to work and frankly if the nitty-gritty details of your life aren't very christian Or being transformed to be like Christ. What are we doing? What are we doing? Okay. Last thing. Verse 15. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, the Messiah. John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So let's just pause here. Um, This is the fourth framing statement. As you think about 2021, what you point to and how you do that, what you point to and how matters. John knew who he was, and he knew who Jesus was. People come along and say, oh, John, Surely you're the Messiah, right? I mean, listen, to you preach? and no, 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 no. No, man, I'm not the guy. I am not the guy. He did not try to take credit for something that wasn't his credit to take. In fact, he didn't try to take credit for anything. He's just like, oh, I'm just out here doing what I'm supposed to be doing, pal. He knew who he was, and he knew who Jesus was. Listen to how he describes him. John answered, I baptize you with water, but one... Uh, Excuse me, but he who is mighty. So let's start there. Jesus is mighty. He is mightier than I. is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John's not worthy, but who is? Jesus is. John's not mighty, but Jesus is. John's not worthy, but Jesus is. Keep going. His winnowing fork is in his hand. Together, his, don't miss this, to clear his threshing floor. Whose threshing floor? His. And together, the wheat into whose barn? His. His, So he's the king. That's how we say this. He is mightier than, than us, and we are not mighty. He is mighty. He is worthy. We are not. He's the king. That's who he is. And consequently so, and he says, I'm going to gather the sweet and the chaff you will burn with unquenchable fire. And, and then, because John knew who he was and who Jesus was, how he, what he pointed to and how he pointed to him, that matters. And his life, if you will, was marked by his obedience to Jesus. John paid the price for his obedience. So just look at verse 18. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked John up in prison. John's message got him crossways with the powers that be. It's true. But he just kept pointing to Jesus. How he what he pointed to Jesus and how he did so. With his obedience. That mattered. That mattered. And if you know the end of the story with John and Herod. Herod's at a party, had one too many drinks. There was a moment there. He promised, oh, whatever you want, you can have. I want the head of John the Baptist. He's like, what an idiot. And John ultimately gave his life for the cause of Christ. John paid the price for his obedience. So will we, will we, will you, with your life, point to Jesus and point to him in a way that he gets the credit. Point to Him in a way with your faithful obedience. Point to Him in a way that says the things that are true. He is mighty, and He is worthy, and He is the King. So I want to close and just give you a moment to think about this question. Out of those four framing statements, Out of those four, which lands on you the hardest? Which carried the most weight, as it was said? Which one set, the the Holy Spirit has set that one down on you? If you're here this morning and you need prayer, You say, man, I really need prayer for this. Do me a favor, whip out your device, whatever you have in your pocket or whatever, and just fire off an email right now. You can send it to me. If you're watching at home and you need prayer for something, please feel free to just leave a comment there. We'll follow up with you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, today can be the day that you see him and he becomes the one for you, the mighty one, the worthy one, the king of your life. You can give your life to him. Let me pray for us, and we'll just have a minute to respond here. Um, Father, I am grateful for a couple of moments to reflect on who you are, to hopefully set up the next days, weeks, months, as they unfold. And we rejoice today, Jesus, that you are alive, and you lived through 2020. And you've been alive. You you are mighty, and you are worthy, and you are the king. if you'll take just a moment think about maybe even set before the Lord the question that I asked at the end there which of those statements landed on you the strongest most strongly will you prepare the way for the Lord being his instrument to be at work in somebody else's life Will you say what needs to be said? Will you let the power of the Holy Spirit go to work into the very details, the nitty-gritty of your life? Will you point to Jesus and point to him in a way that makes him look good? The mighty one. spirit continue to do what you need to do here in order to make us look like jesus individually yes corporately also yes
0: we'll put this in your hands now in jesus name amen